Today on the Locked On Hornets podcast, we welcome James Plowright to talk some lineup numbers and we take a look at James Booknight and Kai Jones. That's all coming up today on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, because we live. We live. Locked On Hornets, your team every day, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and you can subscribe to the podcast on any of those channels, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get them. You know the drill by now, and you can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH, and you can follow the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Excited to welcome James Plowright to the show today. You can find him on Twitter at British underscore Buzz. You can find his work on at The Hive, their Twitter handle. We're giving out Twitter handles left and right like we're Oprah, at underscore the underscore Hive. Put your underscores in there if you want to Underscore Hive. That's right. James, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm I'm buoyed by the Hornets' current three-game winning streak and beating the Warriors, uh, which was, I'm not saying it was the, the most high scoring game, but it was a fun game. So uh, I'm doing good. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, James. We appreciate you joining us. And it was a fun game, especially at the end. And especially because the Hornets won Miles Bridges coming up with a big bucket uh, at the end of that one. And so we're going to get to some of the lineup numbers, as you mentioned, the starting lineup, getting some scoring, three different guys scoring 20. Uh, None of them were Gordon Hayward, and they were still able to get the victory, which was nice to see. We'll go on the whole recall, assign young players to the G League train. I I think JT Thor and Vernon Carey are assigned to Greensboro. I don't know if they've been recalled yet. But they, those guys go back and forth, and they're at home, man. Greensboro is close enough to Charlotte where they're going to be putting them back and forth. So we'll get to that in just a moment as well. Um, let's go ahead and dive into some of the numbers, though, here, James, because I know you wanted to bring up some of the things defensively that they've been doing to help turn it around. If you look at the last three games, their last three wins, the most, of points, uh, the most points they've allowed is 108, and that was to Memphis to start this three-game winning streak off since then. Um, I think it was like 106, 102, uh, the next two contests. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you see what the Hornets have been able to do here, James. What's been uh, some of the things you've noticed on that end of the floor? Well, I think the, the low watermark was this Kings game, right? I think they gave up 140 points, and it just felt like the Kings could get wherever they want from three, Rashawn Holmes, feasted inside. And the, the last couple of weeks, really since the 2nd of November, there's, there's kind of been a real shift. Um, and the, the offense has suffered at expense a little bit, I think probably because getting out and running a little bit less, focusing a little bit more on securing the defensive rebound. Um, because unsurprisingly, the Hornets, what seems like the eighth season in a row, struggled to get defensive rebounds to start the year. But that's definitely been an area of focus. But also, if you look at kind of when Jalen McDaniel started playing, since he started playing, he's really brought some good defensive energy and length. And I think I was pushing the Kelly Oubre kind of best defensive player on this team um, propaganda story from preseason. And that has not been the case. He's been effective offensively, but defensively it's not been there really. And Jalen McDaniels has, has taken a really big kind of leap defensively this year, looked sure of himself, had a really good kind of late second half in the, in the Warriors game. So he's not the only reason, but I think, 
getting a little bit taller, a little bit more rim protection, a little bit better physicality with Jalen McDaniels in there. I think it's definitely played a part. Well, and, and I want to talk a little more about Kelly, too, because, James, I, I know that was the idea. He's an athletic wing. You can put him at two, three, maybe even some small ball four, but really at that two and three with Kelly Oubre. And to me, I feel like he just hasn't been handling switches well. I think it's been the team defense that he's really struggled with, too, where he's just not recognizing to come over and help. And then when he does, it's in the wrong situation and he leaves his guy wide open. There have been multiple times where you've noticed that. Is there a way where that gets better? Is there a way? where okay Kelly just needs to be in the system a little more after all we are only 15 games into the season or is this a real enough problem that's why you're seeing the minutes go up and down with Kelly and do you think this is kind of what we probably are just going to see all the way through the year I mean I think part of the reason and my actually co-host on at the Hive Live Chase made this on our on our, podca- on our podcast of the week was He's played a lot of shooting guard this year, and that was mm-hmm. largely because of Terry, because was Terry was injured to start the year. But he's logged more minutes in shooting guard this last year, percentage of minutes, than in like any season since going back to like Washington time. So I think that's definitely part of it. He's played more on the perimeter, where you're not kind of able to go and help as much as kind of when you're playing at the back or when you're guarding a, a three or a four. So I, I do wonder with Terry Rozier being back, him hopefully playing a little bit more three. His, you know, that's just going to help him and he's not going to be left out on the island against smaller guards as much. But I'm being honest, Walker, I've just not seen like him getting down in the stance and looking really engaged. Like if you go back and watch tape from when he was in Phoenix and Washington, like he was getting low, he was getting into guys and he's just not, it seems to be approaching the matchups with the same like tenacity as what we've seen on tape. And I think it's, it's not been exactly what we expected. And um um, I don't. Can he sort it out? I really do think it's down to him and his approach. Like yeah. I think he's almost viewing himself more of an offensive player at the moment than a defensive one. And I don't think that's what this team needs, despite his mixed success so far. Oh, oh no! If if it was going to work, there were two things people were discussing with Kelly Oubre as the biggest points of emphasis with why it was a good signing. It was the defensive end of the floor, at least with the masses and people that liked this, it was the defensive end of the floor. And it was also him being able to take over if Gordon Hayward goes down with injury and not have this huge, significant drop off. You know, it's not Gordon Hayward. I don't think anybody was truly arguing that, but you get the point. You had some depth there to help out. And now, as we've mentioned, we've done done this a lot on LOH, but Kelly, The minutes have been down, even in an overtime game a couple of times ago. You know, he's still not playing as many minutes, even with the ejection, right? And so, you know, it's been interesting to see that development on what was their biggest free agent signing. You know, that that was the guy that was their biggest move outside of drafting James Booknight, trading for Kai Jones. It wasn't Ish Smith. It wasn't trading for Mason Plumlee, even though he's played a lot more minutes. It was getting Kelly Oubre. Um Jalen McDaniels, you know I love him. Anybody that listens to the show knows I really like what he can bring this team. And so it's really nice to see what he's been able to do on the defensive end of the floor. I always thought he had nice instincts. And right now, I I like to see that come to fruition. Doug, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I mean, as we kind of wrap this segment on defense, we talked about individual players and their contributions or lack thereof. But James, what are you seeing schematically? Like, what has Borrego been able to introduce uh, in into this into this team uh, that has kind of gotten them on track defensively. Yeah, so I think the the big thing you heard about early on was like teams were getting to the like they weren't getting to the rim. They're getting to the rim whenever they wanted, and essentially showing a really high percentage there. And if you actually look at the data, that still hasn't changed too much in terms mm-hmm. of the shot location. Like the shot location 
is still not great for Charlotte. They're trying to protect the rim, but they give out loads of three-point shots. What's really changed is the opponent percentages. Like, in the last two weeks at the rim, opponents are shooting just under 64%. They were at 68 before that. From mid-range, they were shooting 44%. They're now shooting 40%. And then from three-point, it's, it's about the same. So really, that kind of rim and mid-range opponent shooting percentages has really gone down. I think... Generally, like there's just been less defensive breakdowns. There's been more communication that helps them better. There's been better rotations. I think it's a little bit people getting used to playing with each other. I thought Terry Rozier was really good on Steph the other night. Um, and even though you don't view him as a defensive stopper, I think his ability to communicate as a leader, even though his offensive game has not really been there apart from in a couple of games, defensively, he's been really helping that side of the ball because he is one of the veteran leaders for this team. Yeah, you got. I feel like you kind of understated it there because people killed Terry Rozier for his defense, especially last season I, when he was having this, this guy over over this yes, way. Very much so. Uh, and and he really, you know, we talked a lot about the the tip that he won yesterday or on yesterday's show. But my God, yeah, the defense that he and Cody Martin and Borrego called it out in the press conference. I mean, the defense that they showed on Steph Curry helped win that game, helped seal that deal. Yeah, all right, let's go to the offensive numbers in the next segment, but I do want to talk about Theragun first before we do that. It's a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using scientifically calibrated combos of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. It's pretty quiet. Gen 4 Thera the Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, too. It's good to the source of the pain by releasing tension. It uses Theragun signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone the OLED screen and design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future just go to their site check it out and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George DeAndre Hopkins Maria Sharapova hundreds of thousands of customers and it's also trusted by me so go check out Theragun try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199 go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your gen 4 theragun today that's therabody.com slash locked on therabody.com slash locked on all right we talked about the defense let's go to the offense on the other side of this break with james plowright coming up next on locked on hornets this is locked on hornets they're running their rookies to greensboro they're driving them to Greensboro, and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot <laughs> wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Yeah, we'll get to that whole driving back and forth in just a moment with Kai Jones, James Booknight, even a Vernon Carey and a JT Thor. I want to get into the offensive numbers here in just a moment, too. But we were playing with a segment idea with James Plowright mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. the next time he comes on the show. I want James Playwright to do a dramatic reading of one just little excerpt of any of the articles, any of the pieces he puts out there for At The Hive on the next Lockdown Hornets podcast that he joins us with. And James, I know you're kind of, are you down with that? Are you willing to come on this podcast? We're video now so you can be seen doing this. Are you down to do that next time as James Playwright? I, I'm not only down, I'm willing to put on the finest traditional British accent for, for all your listeners, which I'm sure they will enjoy. <laughs> William shakes no fear. Yes, that's right. And you did you just say you were you were uh, you are also related to a famous actor, right? So this thing runs in your blood. 
This is true. So my, my great uncle is Laurence Olivier, who is like known as the greatest Shakespearean actor of all time. Um, and he was like won Oscars and they have awards named after him and everything like that. Um, and how I ended up covering basketball, I didn't quite follow the traditional, you know, Shakespearean actor path, but it's a, it's a different path, you know. My, uh, my fourth cousin twice removed is Gary Busey, who is considered one of the greatest American actors of all time. So Are I'm we totally... doing this? I've, I've got one to contribute. I, <laughs> I, I, done, I, I, was, I was completely a lie. But... I, man, I fell for it. I really thought. <laughs> he's just such a random name to bring up. <laughs> I thought Gary Busey was going to be it. I don't even know who that is. I'm not going to lie. Well, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure my lack of American knowledge here, I'm afraid. Look, he's beneath you, man. You're related to Shakespearean guys. Like, that's so beneath you. I've got I, I think Gary Busey's pretty Shakespearean. Well, I guess that's true. Uh, I think I'm twice removed from Cloris Leachman, anybody. She's in The Longest Yard. Uh, oh. She's... I don't know what else she's in, to be honest with you. I'll look it up in my dome. I think that's about it. All right, so that that's who I'm related to. Either way, we're going to bring that next time James joins us. Let's get to some of the offensive numbers, James. I saw the tweet that you had. I'm trying to pull it up here real quickly, but you said here in the last few games that defensively they're actually 15th in the over the last two weeks. Excuse me. You said the Hornets have been 24th in offense. It's a very big difference from what was happening early on, and they're 15th in defense. Just talked about the defense. What's going on on offense with the Charlotte Hornets team? I, I, I think it's a combination of things. Um, firstly, PJ Washington's not been playing and was by far the best backup center. And like Nick Richards has shown flashes of being a, a borderline rotation player, which we've all got very excited about. But we also have to remember like <laughs> offensively comparing him to PJ Washington is just completely not fair. And, and that backup unit generally has struggled over the last two weeks quite a bit. So I think that's part of it. I also think to start the year, the shooting percentages are just kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. I mean, LaMelo, Miles Bridges, Kelly Oubre were shooting like 45, 50% from three. So there's there's been some regression to the mean. That's to be expected. And then I think the other thing, Terry Rozier coming back into the team, um, he's just not been all that efficient apart from the Lakes game, the second half of the Warriors game. He's taken a lot of shots and not a lot of them are going to come in. And then I think they've just been getting used to having him out on the floor again. Um but, and like I mentioned earlier, they've been focusing on those defensive reboundings. Definitely more people crashing, crashing the glass. You've not seen as many of the kind of lamello full-court passes. I don't think they had a single fast-break point in the first half against Golden State. So um, I just think there's been a little bit of a refocus. And I think that happened after that Kings game when Borrego just decided, actually, we're going to have to kind of just tweak some things here and sacrifice some of the offensive end. And we just kind of crashed down to earth a little bit now. I think Miles Bridges is like 34% now from three. And, right. and the Mellows, I think 38, something like that. So, um, yeah, it's been a combination of factors, really. And also just playing some better defenses. Like Golden State are number one or two, I think, in defense. The Knicks, I know they're not great, but Tibbs always coaches a good defensive team. Um, we, you know, they've been playing some better teams, so that's going to pose some challenges at this point in the year. Yeah, I mean, as we talk about, you know, who the best lineups are, you mentioned P.J. Washington, and you start to see Terry knock off some of the rust, shooting better the last couple of outings for the Charlotte Hornets team. They had three guys score 20 points when you discuss LaMelo, Terry, and Miles Bridges. Gordon Hayward certainly has that capability. He scored 10 against Golden State, but you know he's got the capability to score 20. And then you bring back P.J. James, how good – can that lineup and that core be for Charlotte compared to everybody else in the Eastern Conference? And how good can that lineup be as far as a core to rely upon trying to get you to the playoffs? And who knows, maybe even contending in a first round series. 
I think offensively, it's probably one of the most potent lineups that can like log heavy minutes. Um, in terms of the playoffs, to, to be honest, it feels really small. I think it will struggle to get stops. Um, I know PJ Washington was the best center option in this team last year. That's what Borrego said multiple times in post games. Yeah. I'd be interested to see what his thoughts are now if PJ were the healthy, like if he still thinks he's the best center on the roster. It's just a, a question we unfortunately don't know yet. Um, I, for me, long term, it's not getting you past, you know, just getting into the playoffs. I don't think, unless PJ makes a significant jump, I just don't think defensively the personnel there are good enough to, to be put on a scheme. That's, I mean, you saw a lot of that lineup essentially playing last year in that Pacers match uh, for the playing tournament, and it was an absolute train wreck with like people running into each other off inbounds. I mean, it's not going to be that bad, but um, yeah, it, it just wasn't good enough down towards the stretch of last year. Um, um, so, all right, let's. Yeah, let's get to some of the young guys. James Booknight, Kai Jones, kind of going back and forth. They get their first action in Greensboro. How about Kai Jones? 15 points, 6 of 9 shooting, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 5 blocks in 34 minutes. I think you like to see that as much as anything. And then Booknight scores 33, 9 of 22 shooting, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. But the 33 points there, that's the thing to take note of. Um, Kai Jones, Book Knight, James, what do you think of those numbers, their first action in Greensboro, as well as if we see Book Knight at all this year, just your thoughts on the rookies and how they can possibly impact the Hornets in 2021-22? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great start. You can't ask for much more, can you really? Like, um, I think Book Knight especially, he, he showed some real kind of deep threes, which I thought was impressive, I think, in the preseason if he wasn't kind of right on the line, he kind of seemed to be like leaning and pushing for it a little bit. So I think the fact he looks so comfortable pulling up from deep was, was positive. Um, I also saw him getting more on ball reps again, similar to summer league, playing some point guard, uh, being a lot more on the ball than he kind of was in college. Um, I, I know that's something the team are trying to work with him about being on the ball, but also moving it and not being worried about kind of getting it back. That's definitely a, something that he needs to work on. But will we see Buck Knight this year? I think so. Um, I mean, it happens every year in, in kind of the Hornets roster. It seems to happen where someone's out the the roster, someone's out of the rotation at some point, and then by month two down the line, something happens. Someone is injured. Someone's away. I don't know. And and someone breaks into the rotation. The the challenge that Buck's got at the moment is that the team needs defense, and the guy straight ahead of him is Cody Martin, who is probably having uh, one of the best seasons of of any second round pick in Hornets history right at the moment outside of probably Devontae Graham. Like, he is playing so well, and he brings exactly what Borrego wants. I mean, you even saw Borrego finish the game against the Warriors with Cody over Gordon Haywood. So that's how much he's valuing him right now. So yeah. I don't think we're going to see Buck soon, uh, but it'll be a couple of... You know, something will happen. They're not just going to sit on the bench for all year. He will get an opportunity at some point. I think fans just have to be patient. All right, guys, I've been doing a lot of research. Uh, Cloris Leachman, illustrious uh, film career in the 70s, Young Frankenstein, The Last right, Picture man. Show, Mary Tyler Moore. She was Beverly Ann Stickle on The Facts of Life. She was the granny in the Beverly Hillbillies uh, 90s uh, remake. She was the grandmother on Raising Hope, which had uh, several seasons. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I have I have to uh, break some bad news, Walker. She passed away 
this year. Well, I, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad I didn't just try I'm glad I just didn't reveal that one of your relatives. No. I did know. No longer I with did us. know that she had passed away. Uh, that would be. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry for you. You know, it's okay. We've uh, look. I know we were very close, uh, even the even if I had never, never met her before. Um, it did still hurt to lose my only famous it's relative. A great actress. Yeah, really was was really in a lot of stuff. Why did I go to Longest Yard with that kind of lustrous career? That was the only thing I could think. It was of. a weird pick. A well, weird and pick. and it's also a, a weird scene too, where there there's her spanking Adam Sandler with a cowboy hat. Like that's how I'm gonna remember my <laughs> wow. long lost second removed aunt. I think that's your lasting memory. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, Adam Sandler, that's fine. Um, I think that's fine with me. All right, let's uh, move on to something else besides Cloris Leachman spanking other celebrities. Last thing here, James, kind of looking at the Hornets going forward. <laughs> that was a nice transition. What do you want to transition? See from, uh, what do you want to see from the Hornets against Washington? And uh, you know how how far do you think they can uh, extend their winning streak with the schedule that is coming up for them on the horizon? I think there's got a chance in Washington. Washington are playing well, but so are the Hornets. I think it's a kind of a 50-50 game, if I had to call it. I think it'll be interesting to see, again, if this offense can pick back up. I'm hoping that other teams kind of haven't watched enough film now and scouted it and kind of figured out the plays and figured out what they need to do. So we need a bit of a bounce-back game. I'm petrified of Montres Harrell because he just feasts against the Hornets inside whenever he plays against them, and he's been having a good year. Um, but... The good news is like the starting lineup for the Hornets has been playing really well. I think they're the best lineup the Hornets have. We've played like over 100 minutes and a plus 7.9, and that's with Terry Zier in that starting lineup. So I think that bodes well. The Wizards' starting lineup has been terrible all season, and I think Bradley Beal is going to be out. But even that, their bench lineup has been the one really getting them into a lot of these games. So we need the Hornets' bench lineup to, to kind of bounce back a little bit from this slow start over the last kind of couple of weeks, really. And yeah, more Miles Bridges. Go, go sorry, ahead. go on. No, you're good, James. Uh, what were you going to say about Miles? I was just going to say more Miles Bridges at center, I think. Mm -hmm. Those lineups have been positive so far. Um, Washington aren't a huge team. Harold Gafford, um, I think he can kind of physical enough to maybe be able to hang with a lot of those guys, and they're not going to want to guard him out in the perimeter. So that's something that I'd look to look going forward in that Washington game. Well, and, and that's something real quickly before we get you out of here, too. I kind of want to talk like the small ball lineups. You mentioned it. They need more size. There's no doubt. We've always known the the problem at center with the Charlotte Hornets team. But the idea is to not put so much of the bulk at center on P.J. Washington, so much even with a guy like Miles Bridges. And you are going to have to have more height on this team um, besides just a Mason Plumlee. You need somebody better defensively. Is there any way that you kind of stagger those small ball center minutes with a Miles and P.J. if Mason just isn't getting the job done? Now, you mentioned this too with Borrego. Like Borrego likes Mason Plumlee in there. You know, he could. I, I know some of this is just because you don't have a ton of options at anywhere else, and so you got to roll with the tallest dude on your squad. But I, I think Borrego does legitimately like Mason. At you know, I think he does more than what he had last year. Even with that being said, do you like the idea of staggering PJ and Miles in order to take some of the small ball center minutes off of those guys' bodies? I think for that to happen, I'd, Plumlee's minutes would have to drop significantly because what I don't like is kind of playing those guys for two minutes at center and then getting no rhythm and the lineups being too choppy and changey if, you, if you're changing who your center is every, every kind of couple of minutes in the game. So I think if they were able to kind of log 
minutes together in big enough pat bunches that they're able to kind of get some rhythm and get used to playing with people. I didn't mind looking at it, especially in certain matchups. We always know there's going to be certain teams where you're going to need big guys who can just physically handle them. Uh, but this the offense is so much better. Like I, I yeah. really think that's the key to unlocking the Hornets' offense. I mean, with Miles or PJ at center, the Hornets are an elite offensive team. Um, and if you, you know, if we're going to have to just, we're not going to stop anyone defensively, but we might outscore some people. So I absolutely think it's something that should be looked at maybe when PJ's back. But I think, yeah, Plumlee would have to go down to like 12, 15 minutes a night for, for them to be able to stagger both PJ and Miles at the same time at center. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it would be yeah, it, it would be tough, but interesting to see maybe if they would go with Miles or if he just kind of stops playing center once PJ comes back altogether if it's very rare once he's uh back from injury. All right, James, that was awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Make sure you check out James' work at the Hive. You can follow that on Twitter at underscore the underscore hive. You can also follow James on Twitter at British underscore buzz. We're also gonna get James playwright. A, uh, an appearance here on the podcast at some point down the line. Can't wait for that. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate your time. Anytime, guys. Appreciate it. All right, we'll take a quick break. But first, I do want to discuss rockauto.com with you. Rockauto.com, somebody that has been a partner with us for quite some time here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Rockauto.com, it's uh, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You can save time and money when using Rock Auto, so you don't have to choose to spend even up to 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or new car dealership. Go explore their easy-to-use website today. Find a solution to your auto parts needs, and then you can uh, go to, again, rockauto.com, see the amazing selection, and see the reliably low prices. They have all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Also want to discuss Bet Online because they're back and they're better than ever. They've got a new web interface for the start of the basketball season, and they also have more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new uploaded update, excuse me, updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online where the game starts. Doug Branson, he comes in and contributes a little bit more here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. And you have to wonder, is there a time for them to do that now? <laughs> no, is, is he, is he about the center position. I mean, it's, it's, yes, it's Yeah, God. Mitch, make a trade. <laughs> That's just good. That's just good sports talk right there. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Great stuff from James Plowright. Really enjoyed going behind the numbers there with the offense and the defense, what we've seen lately, what we've seen from the Hornets all around this season. Doug, what were some of your biggest takeaways from the research done by one James Plowright? Well, I'm just glad that we can rely on smart basketball people like James Plowright to come in and give us the info so that we can uh, be silly. So we can mess clown. around. So he can clown. Um, yeah, so, but uh, but really interesting stuff. He, he brings up Montrez Harrell. You know, for this Wizards game coming up on Wednesday, that's really interesting, right? Because the Hornet, if you remember, the Hornets uh, offered Harrell a contract. Uh, I believe it was when he was uh, right before he signed with the Lakers, right. and they offered him more money. And Harrell said, "Nah, I'm going to go try to win a championship with these guys." Which, you know, in retrospect, not a terrible call. Uh, but 
he did spurn these Hornets. So if you want some extra fuel to your fire, uh, I think I think him and Terry also kind of had words in one of those late season matchups against the Lakers. So there's some some uh, dust right. flying around. Well, maybe even just on this speaking one. of Montrez, remember the Lakers weren't playing him. You know, he he they they just decided yeah. they weren't going to go to him because defensively he's such a liability, and that's one of the few. That's one of the mo- more interesting things. You know, offensively he's really going to help, and James talked about that. But defensively, where this team really needs helps and help inside, I, I don't know that he addresses that. And he, no, he, he wouldn't he, have helped. Yeah, he he wouldn't he wouldn't have been this huge drop off because you'd still be able to score a decent amount of points. But defensively, it's not like he's contesting at the rim and really hurting teams once they try to get into the paint um yeah I mean I I think I think you just look at PJ being out for this team the fact that they were able to get a few wins with PJ out Doug I think you tweeted about that that's huge and when he comes back it really is going to help the squad so much more I and and you know I I love Jalen McDaniels getting in there um I I can't I wouldn't have ever thought through 15 games I would have been excited at Cody Martin flirting with 30 minutes here and there but look I, I've said it a couple times too. He's even impressing me more offensively with what he's brought to his game than he is defensively. I'm not saying he's playing bad on that end of the floor. I just think he's doing so much more on the offensive end, getting you know cutting to the basket right, getting hit um, with some nice feeds down low, as well as being able to hit at a higher clip. It's just the guy's really improved. You know, he he works really hard. You know, it's a cliche. We could say that about all NBA players, but Cody really has very much so improved, all. and it's nice to see. I mean, they're all that we can say that all NBA players are immensely talented and physically gifted. Um, but I don't know that you can say that every player works hard. I mean, that's what separates um, the the really good players from your your average NBA players most of the time is just their ability to get into the gym and work on things and evolve as a player and um, execute the game plan. So, but w- w- what I like to say on on Jalen McDaniels is that I think pl- uh, that James brings in some really great insight. Because we had talked about how his offense had fallen off, and I think maybe there's some context there that maybe this team is asking Jalen McDaniels to come in and not. We don't need offense, you know, Jalen. We need intense defense. So, so focus on that end of the floor because he had some twenty plus game, twenty plus point games earlier in the season. It's not like Jalen McDaniels is incapable of contributing there, um, but I think right now they need him to focus almost exclusively on locking down wings on the defensive end. And from James's perspective, he's been able to do that. Well, and, and that's what that's what I've always loved, too, is it's somebody that's 6'10", that can legitimately play three when, when you are as small as you are. Man, is he – so Nick Richards, Vernon Carey, Mason Plumley, those are your traditional centers. But then it's like Mick Daniels. That's the, that's the tallest guy. You know, I, it, it, I yeah. made this point, uh, I think, when they played the Lakers – it was Jalen McDaniels contesting a fadeaway shot from Anthony Davis. And the announcer was like, yeah, you know, Anthony Davis, he's going to eat that matchup all night long. It's like, well, that's basically the second tallest player we have on the roster that's going to get significant minutes. It's Mason Plumley, and it's Jalen McDaniels with a hint of Nick Richards every now and then. That's what we got. You know, <laughs> we don't have anything else. And so he's going to feast against anybody. And, and real quickly with McDaniels, what was nice about him, too, he actually started really hot from three at the beginning yeah. of the year. He went seven of 12. He's capable. 
Yeah. Oh, very much so. And, and I believe in that stroke. Hopefully he starts to hit more um, as the season goes on. But he is starting to play a little more consistently. 22, 11 and 21 minutes he's logged in these last three games. Well, listen, there's going to be a time similar to when Kelly Oubre had his 37. That was when uh, Miles Bridges w- wasn't hitting anything and Terry Rozier wasn't hitting anything. You get into the third quarter and a couple of starters aren't hitting what they normally hit. And you look to the bench and you say, hey, who's going to step up and knock down some shots? And you, you've you seen that Jalen McDaniels previously has the capability to put up 20 points in a game. And so that that's what makes a certified bench wrench a certified bench wrench. You can't find those at an ace hardware. You know, those are those are really rare birds. And I think Jalen McDaniels is capable of that. And I'm just going to say that I don't think it's the last time that we've seen the Jalen McDaniels bench wrench performance um, out of out of him. I'll also say this: the Eastern Conference right now is completely topsy turvy. If you haven't, it's upside down. If you haven't paid attention to the standings right now, the Raptors are seven and eight, they're tenth place. Boston seven and seven. Hornets are sitting at eighth at eight and seven, one game over five hundred. This is only the fourth time. I'm going to shock you with this stat. You ready for this interesting stat? Bring it. I'm ready. This is only the fourth time. In the past 21 years that the Eastern Conference has been uh, ahead of the Western Conference in wins at this point in the season. They, they're, win, they're winning the interconference battle this late into the season uh, for the first time, or only four times in the past 20 years. Um, so the Eastern Conference is strong, but it's also upside down, and the Hornets are picking up important wins that will help them when all of this shakes out. Well, and, you know, Golden State is huge, right? If you want to do the the age-old game of win the games you're supposed to, lose the games you're supposed to, which ones can you cancel out? Maybe you're supposed mm-hmm. to beat Cleveland, love that. I love that age-old game. You know, it's an Oldest age- backgammon. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Mancala type game right there. When you see, you got to have marbles <laughs> to play Mancala, and that's what we're doing here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. When you look at the Charlotte Hornets, they get that win against Golden State. Maybe it makes up for the loss to Sacramento, right? Like, so hopefully the Hornets can continue to pile those up. What, what loss to Sacramento? I've already forgotten it. That's it, how that's how huge. I think Golden State, if you beat Golden State, <laughs> that should cancel. That should literally, I think that should literally cancel out two losses on your schedule. I, yeah. I think Adam Silver should come in and say, wipe two of them away. It, it should be like cornhole. That's what it should be like. You know, cancel out the points, and I feel like that should It's happen. a game as old as cornhole. Real hey, quick. We did, we, Walker, we did not make enough. I played it right at the end of the last show, and, and I would be remiss if we don't play the entire Eric Collins call of – the the tap that Terry wins. This is a luxury that we have because the Hornets have a day off. They've had mm-hmm. two days where they haven't played games, so we, we get to kind of dig a little bit deeper than we normally would. We don't have to move on to the next game immediately. But I would love if you would allow me. I know I'm just right back on the show. I'm asking a lot. I just I burst through the door and now I want, you know, blue MMs in my dressing room. I get it. <laughs> I understand. I understand. But I would love to play this call if you'll allow me. You're a diva, but go ahead. You're my diva. I think the listeners will enjoy this, too. Here we go. So it's Green and Rogier. Terry won it! Terry won the tap! Terry won it! He's very excited. (laughs) Can we talk about the tap just a a little bit, though? No. Uh, uh, it seemed like a very fair tap. Uh, I thought. <laughs> yeah. I listen. The refs did a lot of listen. The refs 
were horrible that game. But the they, one they area that they got right in that game was the fairness mm-hmm. of that jump ball. It was as straight up as an arrow, right? <laughs> it wasn't favoring Terry whatsoever. Draymond Draymond was disgusted at that thrown ball where he kind of even looked. He didn't have a shot to get that. And he just looked at Terry up and down, mean mugging him like Draymond Green is one to do. I look, man, Terry got it, though. That's fine. If you're going to give him a little leeway against a player like that, I'll take it. And I won't apologize whatsoever for it. I don't apologize for anything. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen every single day. Coming up tomorrow, Wes Bryant, Wes Wednesdays, uh, Wes Wednesdays, Bally Sports, Charlotte Hornets insider, going to be discussing the Charlotte Hornets three-game winning streak. I'm sure he's got a good list for us, too. Finally getting back on track since they're back at home. So Wes Bryant going to be hopping on with us tomorrow. Now make your second listen, Lockdown Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet, and it's free, and it's available on all platforms. We'll be back with you tomorrow with Wes Bryant.